0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch.
1: Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Make Delivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Delivery. So the only thing left to say is. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participation restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Talk of the Tune at Newcastle United Podcast. My name is Will, and this week I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts Hodgie and Gray. Yahari re lads. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit depressed after yesterday, but now doing holding up okay. Here's me trying to bring the energy in. How are you? I'm fine. I've kind of come to terms with with what happened yesterday. I think there was a sense of inevitability, but we'll we'll come on to that. How have your respective weekends been? And
2: we'll go to Gray first. You should start coming to me at weekends because mine are really boring at the minute. So. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Is that it? Uh, I mean, if you really want to know the details, I, I've been painting doors. Okay. Hodgie, what have you been up to? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was around my dad's last night to watch the match because it was his birthday on Friday. So we had a curry and watched the football, had a couple of beers, and then, yeah. What a way to ruin his birthday. Happy birthday to Mark. Which curry did you go for? I went for a chicken ticket, Jalfrezi, and I've never been to this curry house. My dad's never been to this curry house, and it was fucking wham, this curry. Like, I was sweating a little bit, eating it. Can't go wrong with Jalfrezi. What did your father go for?
1: I can't remember what he went for, but his was hotter than mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a game of one-upmanship, isn't it? (laughs) No, mine's hotter. (laughs) You said wham as in warm, but wham can also mean good, down south, so... Good curry.
0: It
2: was tasty, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. It was just a little bit on the spicy side. Like, Did anyone use the term, it must be a different chef in tonight? Because that seems to be the go-to <laughs> excuse of getting a spicy curry. <laughs> well, he was, he's never been, so he was like, oh, it's an absolute lottery, this. like, I was like, I'm just going to go with something
0: that I know the name of, not something random like you've chosen. Like, <laughs> Lovely jubbly.
1: How about you, mate? What have you been up doing? See, I'm getting more used to it now. Uh, yeah, good. We took Stan, our little doggy, out to Oxley's Woods which is kind of south-east London. Yesterday for a nice walk and went to view a property as well, so fingers crossed could be putting in an offer. But yeah, then today, just getting ready for holiday next week because I'm off to Iceland, fucking rights, which is currently having thousands of earthquakes a day and potential (laughs) volcanic eruptions. (laughs) Just my luck, but there you go. Right, on to the football. Do we have to? Unfortunately, we do. So yesterday we lost 2-0 away to Bournemouth, struggling Bournemouth, and I guess we jumped straight into it. There was a sense of inevitability, right?
0: Yeah, if you look at our injury list, I mean, you've got the list in front of us as well. Do you want to fill everyone in if they don't already know about how many injuries we
1: have? Well, it's not necessarily even just injuries, is it? It's suspensions and absentees. Tonali out, Murphy out, Burn out, Barnes out, Anderson out, Botman out, Guimaras was banned yesterday for five yellow cards, Wilson was out, Isaac's out, Almiron picked up an injury yesterday and had to go off, Mankio's out, and Target's off. So you've got a full 11 there. Obviously, someone have to sub in for goalkeeper, but a full 11 of either suspended or fucking injured players, Good, which it? is unreal.
0: I think with the team that we put out yesterday, though, like there's definitely some names in there that still could have done a job. And I think Eddie's got the team primed that they will try their best with terms of game time that people have had. There was always going to be some sort of worries and struggles there which is just a bit unfortunate. I think we've just got to weather this storm, but I think this storm's going to blow on a lot like Iceland in this volcanic <laughs> kind of eruptions for you. Oh, oh, thanks
1: very much. going yeah, to go thanks. on for yeah. a long
0: time, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was also Jamal Lascelles's birthday yesterday, so we must share a birthday with your, with your father, oh, Hodge. He was 30 it. yesterday. Um, not a great way to celebrate his birthday, but happy birthday, Jam. thought he put in another fairly solid display, but you look at his partner next to him as well. I mean, Fabian Cher pulled up with what seemed like a bit of a hamstring tweak. Gray, you seem to notice that Willock was going off holding his hamstring yesterday. It's just a case of the walking wounded now, isn't it? And this international break couldn't come soon enough.
2: I wish it came two weeks ago, (laughs) so we could all have a bit of a breather. But yeah, it's one of those things. And I think the volume of football and the intensity we play at, I think it was only a matter of time, especially given how hard even last season a lot of our players worked. It's just one of those things we just have to crack on. And I mean... You say our squad isn't that deep, but when you say you've got 11, potentially 13 players out injured now, not many squads probably apart from Man City's could actually cope with that level of injuries. So I think we've been unlucky, probably coming at the wrong time, just as we're going to come into a very congested winter schedule as always. I think we'd have five games in 14 days coming up early to mid-December, which is just nuts. So hopefully we get a few players back. Mm. bit for that and our fizzies are going to have to work some serious magic this international break
1: I mean I can't put my finger on it is it just purely that we're unlucky is there anything obviously you've touched on it there but it's like the intensity in which we play we're in you know the FA Cup's not even kicked off yet but as Trippier said yesterday we're still in the Champions League we're at the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup and we're sixth in the league is there anything that we can be doing preventatively like Is it the quality in depth? I mean, no one could have seen the Sandro Tonali thing coming. Um, He would have been very useful to have. Obviously, Bruno would have been useful to have yesterday, but he was banned. So you've got two players there that aren't injured, but you could almost count the Sandro one as unlucky. But Bruno was silly to pick up a yellow card last week. Like, could have been a red. (laughs) I don't know. You never hear of Man City having the level of issues that we're having. And they are consistently in all four competitions at the highest level and have decent squad rotation that keeps them going. Like, we need to be using them and people like Liverpool as well. You never hear of them having the level of injuries that we do. Like, something's
2: different, and I don't know what it is. Well, for me, I think one of the key ones early on in the season is, and even last year, Eddie Howe's reluctance to change his starting 11. He could have been a bit more. Tactical, I had a bit more now nice about, about just giving players a break, especially midfield. We've got such a strong midfield, and yes, Willick was out, now got Tonali out. But just rotating people, especially when you're playing twice a week. There was times we we're going in on a Saturday with the same squad, but we we're playing Champions League on a Wednesday. And yeah, we want to playing our strongest squad, but you've got to factor in the number of fixes we're going to be playing. And I think possibly some of that comes down to maybe Eddie's lack of experience in the European competitions. I. Don't know, but you think you'd have some sports scientists who are looking at all this data and seeing players possibly tail off in terms of their performance. But I also think we've got a squad who—I mean, you look at two players in particular, Callum Wilson and Isaac. They're both pretty fragile and rarely play 20 games a season. So maybe we are a little bit unlucky with who we're signing and then them getting injured. That might be because they're not used to the intensity we train at. There's so so many different variables at play. But I mean, you just have to look back a few years ago when I think it was Pardy where we just had hamstring after hamstring after hamstring. So whether it's something in the grass at, at Benton, who knows, that probably doesn't help. Hodge I've just been sent a really interesting
1: message by my mate Ben, who I met on the Austria tour um, a couple of years ago. He's... Ooh, hey friends, friends, friends. I didn't
2: realize I did you in mates.
1: <laughs> yeah, shout out, Ben. Uh, he just sent me a, an interesting message, which is kind of the impact of Bruno Guimaraes. So he said, without Bruno, we've played eight games, won one, drawn five and lost two. But with Bruno, played 21, won 14 and drawn seven. Does that really show you how important Bruno is to us? We always talk about the impact of Sean Longstaff when he's in or out the team, but obviously we lost convincingly yesterday. But Bruno wasn't there almost to play that role. you got, you know, Joe Linton having to push up to either left wing or striker. So he's out of position. It really just shows you the importance of these marquee players like Bruno, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. And I think he's one of these players that always does like, I mean, when he first came to the club, we thought, oh, my God, brilliant. He's getting here, there and everywhere, getting a couple of assists, blah, blah, blah. But I think he's really settled into the role of doing his job and just not really being seen and not really being showy. And it was a bit like kind of Sean Longstaff a couple of months back when we were just like, you know what? We well, haven't really talked about him, but he's actually done a really solid job and he's been in the right place right time and just has every now and again a couple of key moments where you think, oh, that's where he's showing up, but he's actually been there the whole time in the game. I think Bruno is class at breaking down some stuff. He really battles hard. He's got low centre of gravity, so he's good at turning and getting in the way. Yeah, When he comes back, I think we'll definitely have a, a much stronger outfit in the midfield and maybe there's a bit more cohesion in there because even him, Longstaff and, and Joe Linton have been absolutely fantastic in communication. And it was, just wasn't really there yesterday, I think. Mm. And there was quite a lot of new names or new starters and people that are getting at the frame a bit more. But I think that all in all, yesterday, I think we're at sixes and sevens sometimes. Yeah. It just wasn't the best thing to watch. I know not the greatest team put out, but you expect the whole team to still be very competitive, which
2: it is a competitive bunch. It was very disjointed. Quick question from Bruno. Do you think that he strategically got booked last week against Arsenal given the run of fixtures we've got in the Premier <laughs> League? Someone put out on Twitter and was like Bruno's a
0: genius blah blah blah. I mean, I'd prefer him never to get booked ever. That would be that would be a good start. But yeah, if he's going to miss a game, you'd have thought it would have been safer against Bournemouth. But I mean, I'm just quite happy to get him back in the fold for the the flurry of fixtures coming up. Really. Yeah,
1: let's be honest. He wasn't intending to get a yellow card because it could have easily been and probably should have been a red <laughs> yeah, card, yeah. Three in three which case man. he's missing three <laughs> games. Yeah, like he's very lucky to just get a yellow for that uh, elbow in the back of Jorginho's head as much as Jorginho deserved it. It was rash from him. No, I, I don't think it is. I'm sceptical of this kind of tactical yellow cards. I think back in the days of like, Man United and Fergie I think tactical yellow cards were a thing but given how competitive the Premier League is these days I don't think there's ever a good time to get a yellow card because look what happened yesterday against Bournemouth but yeah I thought it was very disjointed performance overall I mean you've got Lewis Hall coming in probably too soon and a lot sooner than Eddie would have wanted to introduce him and there is a Question mark really as to whether maybe Eddie should have started Trippier at left back and Tino at right back, given how they have performed, especially in the cups over the last couple of fixtures. Hodge, do you think Howe made the right call with Hall, or do you think well, you would have maybe preferred to have seen Trippier start at left back? He should have started a whole different team, had it a bit more fluid up top. So I don't think you should have started Hall
0: at all. And I think Tino would have still remained on the bench for me, but. If you're going to play with what Eddie put out, I definitely think that's probably a better shout, especially when we want to have that kind of real strong defence at that time because you knew like it was going to be a hard game. I mean, they came out the blocks and, of course, they were going to because it was probably their best chance ever this season to get points against us, really, and they did it in that kind of fashion. They had 19 shots, 10 on target. They pressed, they pushed, they played that quick kind of football and tried to get through. The goals were a little bit lucky and we'll get on them, I'm sure. But when you're coming up against a barrage like that or the efforts that they're going to be putting in, you need your wiser, older kind of players in there. I know there's not much time difference between how old Tino and Hall is, but I think as you can see so far, Tino's had more game time and he looks one hell of a better player than what Hall is. I'm not saying Hall's looking bad. I just think in the moment right now, I think Tino
1: is the better option to play it right back and have a, a trusty full back at left back, which would be Trips. Agreed. Also, I should probably just caveat. I've just got another message from Ben from Austria. You say that that Bruno stat was from February, but I think the message still applies that we're a much better team with Bruno. It seemed to be just a bit of a fucking experiment for how yesterday you had Tony Gordon starting up front and then Joe Linton on the left hand side. Then you saw the two of them switch. So Joe Linton went central and then Anthony Gordon went out to the left that didn't really work. You had Hall starting on the left, but then when Tino came on, I think Tino initially came on as left back and then the two of them switched. It just seemed like with Richie coming on for Almiron as well. I know he's a big proponent of changing tactics and changing things around mid game and he'll always do that. But nothing seemed to work yesterday, did it, Gray? I mean, Joe Linton up front, we know that's a recipe for disaster. I don't know why he didn't just stick with Tony Gordon up front.
2: We were almost reacting to the way Bournemouth were playing. And we seriously struggled to get a foothold on the game and actually keep hold of a ball for more than 30 seconds and actually play it out of our half. He was probably just playing around to try and find a solution to that. And when you've got someone like Gordon playing up front, he's probably a very similar player to Isaac and I'm... Constantly one saying that Izak is far much better drifting out wide. And then Joe Linton, again, is just that power horse who just run through the middle. We're so used to probably playing now with like Callum Wilson if it's back to goal. Izak is now trying to play in that very similar role. So actually trying to find a way of bringing that into that squad, which we started yesterday, I think just didn't quite work. So mixing Joe Linson and Gordon for me wasn't probably The strange one. What was strange is when they kept swapping Trippier and Livermento. If they were going to do that, then why did Livermento not start? And I think a lot of it probably was, is it uh, Samedo? Samedo. Yeah, who had a hell of a game and honestly had Trippier in his pocket and I think his pace just really exposed how slow our defence was and there was times where Hall looked very slow given how young he is and I think he just got out a couple of times. Didn't look as slow as Matt Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think yeah, Ritchie looks like he's running in mud half the time, doesn't he? I think he'd make any of us look quick. Yeah, it was it was a strange one for Tino not to start, especially given his form from like the Dortmund game and previous games before that, and in cups we've mentioned. I think was a huge shock for me. But whether there's some again tactical element of if we can get in nil nil, then we know Tino's threat carrying the ball from the fullback position, so maybe. There's a thought that some fresh legs could give us something a little bit different, but I mean, it failed, didn't it?
1: It did. wasn't a good day at the office overall. I think a couple of bits before we move on. Nick Pope, I thought was excellent yesterday. Without him, it could have been five or six nil. Made some absolute wonder saves, especially that one towards the end of the game that kind of deflects off Lascelles oh, and It's yeah. just pure mm-hmm. instinct, and he knocks it over the bar. Nick Pope, excellent on the day, but also so was their goalkeeper. I thought Neto was good as well. Like, let's not lie. We did have our chances and particularly from set pieces. We we're unlucky not to score a couple of times, but we're just missing that killer instinct. And it's also very good goalkeeping from Neto. And we'd be remiss to move on without talking about Lewis Miley as well. I think now our youngest ever starter in the Premier League. I thought he was steady but I don't think he necessarily warrants the well, the level of praise that he's getting. Obviously, very difficult for a player of his age to come in straight into a Premier League team against Premier League opposition and have a storm in game. But I thought he was steady. I thought he did his job. He looks very comfortable on the ball, which is a nice thing to have. But going forwards, we didn't see much from him. And then going backwards, he seemed very easy to just shrug off. So I saw a couple of players like um, Solanke would progress the ball up the pitch towards the box and you'd have Lewis Miley putting in kind of a bit of a, a half assed attempt and then would just get shrugged off. That's going to happen. He's young. He needs to bulk up. He needs to get up to game speed. But promising overall to have another Newcastle lad coming into the team. But overall, I think it was a very average performance from him. Does anyone think I'd be an unfair?
2: No, I completely agree. Like you said, the
0: way is hard. He's young, he's slight. He hasn't probably been involved too much with much
2: of the first team goings-on of recent. So can you really blame him, I guess? He's also just coming back from illness, isn't he? And I think yeah. that's where we really struggled and I think where we missed Bruno was we didn't get that control in midfield, which I think Bruno gives us. Like I say, he's a little terrier, isn't he? Just, he's kicking people's ankles to get the ball back. <laughs> and I mean, he's, he's young. That will come with time and you can't expect it. Was he 17? Very young. Yeah, you're old to dominate the midfield like you'd expect a Bruno to. I
1: think especially when players like Christie and Cook, who were playing that central midfield, were having such good games for them yesterday. Yeah, he wasn't really set up to succeed there. It was kind of a a necessity to put him into that lineup. Good points. He does look comfortable on the ball. He looks like he's a really comfortable passer of the ball as well. And he can work in those triangles really nicely, but I think he needs to work on his physicality. Lots of people saying he was our man of the match yesterday, which, you know, best of a fucking bad bunch, I reckon. And Nick Pope is on the Yeah. But I think what we tend to do as Newcastle fans is get caught up in, he's a young Geordie lad, he's 17, he's starting in the centre of the park for Newcastle United. You've got that rose-tinted glasses view of him, but we have to be realistic here. It's no fault of his own, but he just wasn't. He wasn't amazing. But there's definitely really promising signs and I have no doubt that he'll go on and be a really good player for us in a couple of years time. He's just had to be thrown into that bare pit from the offset. So very promising signs and I hope to see more. And it was good to see players like Ben Parkinson come on yesterday, who most people won't know of, but another young Geordie Ladd, I think he's from Durham way, Yep. Durham, but he yeah. came on and was immediately thrown up front, I think as just fresh young legs that could chase the goalie down, but he was a very, very isolated figure. I think at times he was probably the only person in the fucking Bournemouth half. So he was just chasing the ball, chasing the ball, chasing the ball, but good for him to come on and get some minutes. Yeah, so promising. And I think something that we've called out for years is let's see more young Geordie Blads come through the ranks. You've got like Sean Longstaff is a really great example. Lewis Hall to an extent. You know, you've got more players coming through the ranks, which I think is really promising. <sighs> disappointing day at the office ultimately yesterday 2-0 loss as we say away to Bournemouth and I'm really looking forward to coming back after break and talking about our 2-0 loss to Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League we'll go to a quick break now and we'll see you in a second one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. at participates in restaurants. 18+. plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Hey, we're back. And we're back with a really positive one. Not... No, we're back <laughs> with another 2-0 defeat uh, away from home. 2-2-0 Two, defeats on the bounce away. This time to Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. we got got the better of us twice once at home once away um, but before we talk about the match we'll quickly do our social plugs so you can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms acast spotify apple podcast would really appreciate it if you could give us a follow and if you're feeling super generous a five-star rating or review you can find our podcast on twitter at tott podcast on instagram at tott underscore podcast and on facebook by searching for talk of the tune podcast dortmund who's going to kick us off hodge It feels like an age away now, but do you want to kick us off and just give us your overall thoughts on the 2-0 defeat away at Dortmund?
0: Yeah, I think Dortmund are a class team. (laughs) They've done us twice. And again, they were just a dream to watch, really. The way that they were just pinging the ball around, passing it around with ease, quite instinctive at times. They just really showed their class. I think for the first goal, quite a little bit scrambly. I think we could have done better, but Mm -hmm. they just managed to work it quite nicely, I guess, just by a little flick on flick on here. I think one person that might have been at fault was probably Hall could have been a little bit stronger against Sibica, but he puts a nice ball back in. And Fulker,
1: the ugly bastard himself, slots away for 1-0. He looks like he should be an HGV driver, not <laughs> <laughs> definitely <does> like <laughs> not a Bundesliga fucking footballer.
0: <laughs> Shout out to HGV drivers, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then we had a chance to pull it back to 1-1 with Joe Linton. I think Bruno plays the ball out wide to Tino, I think it is, who whips it in. And Joe Linton puts his header wide from inside oh. of the six-yard box, which was just, uh, they can't they can't get a better chance in the Champions League than that. And I'm quite disappointed in him, and I'm sure he'll be disappointed in himself that he didn't actually score. That was at 55 minutes. And then I think it's Julian Brandt, 79 minutes, gets a breakaway. and it was two on one. I think it was Tino, who does well just to kind of delay and delay and delay, but a little quick little flick to the left and a a shot across Nick Pope for Julian Brandt as a canny calm finish at that point in the game when they were going under a bit of the cosh so I mean probably a good day out for the lads drinking all the German beer but the result probably not what we really
1: wanted from that I would have snapped your hand off for a draw at the start of that game. Oh 100% but great experience for the Newcastle fans to go and see the yellow wall I mean, it just blows my mind that you can get 25,000 people in one stand alone. (laughs) I'd hope that the war flags there, or at least some of them were there to take some inspiration. Not that they need it necessarily. Don't want to be unfair, but yeah, what an experience for those away fans. Great. But yeah, the, the key points you've talked about, Hodge, I feel like one of the key moments was actually Lewis Hall getting his yellow card very early in the game that just, I think, blew my mind that, It was a shoulder-to-shoulder running back towards goal. Lewis Hall seemed to do absolutely nothing wrong. And without any warnings or any leniency, the ref just goes and gives him a yellow card, which is bound to rattle the lad, surely, when he's coming up against fucking Julian Brandt on that right-hand side, who was fantastic on the night. It's bound to rattle him, and it's bound to affect our play on that left-hand side. So I thought from that point onwards, certain heads were certainly lost, and they very much had the upper hand on us on that left-hand side. Joe Linton, as you say, he should be scoring that all day long. It's easier almost to miss that than it is to score it, which is frustrating. And then obviously the, the second goal comes as we're trying to push on and they were very, very clinical catching us on the break. They're a very good counter-attacking team, a high-pressing counter-attacking team, which sounds like us when we're at full strength and it's good to see... Well, it's not necessarily good to see, I should say. It's interesting to see it when it's deployed against us. But Julian Brandt, what a fucking player he is, Gray. I'd love to see us go in for him in January.
2: I think that was my first comment after the game, was how much would it cost? But yeah. no, he, he was unreal on the night. And I think to be competitive against a team like Dortmund, who were so well-organised, like Hodge said, they, were, they just knew exactly where everyone was on the pitch and they almost passed the ball without looking at times. And just so fluid. We need to be bearing those chances but we're still one of the most clinical teams in the premier league which i think a lot of people forget and it's hard to take but for me i'm just super proud that we can go somewhere like dortmund and actually give them a hell of a fight and yeah there may have been times when our backs were against it but we were still in the game right to the 85th minute where i think they scored their winner and just and for me, personally, just super proud of everything that's happened. And to be competitive, given the number of injuries we've had as well, is just really, really good. Sorry, I've just gone on a complete ramble. I don't <laughs> think I answered your question again, but that's just me.
0: I'm used to it. I would love, great, to have a little bit of a rant, though, around about consistency with refereeing and yellow cards, because they made 13 Oh, hours well, I
2: was going to come on to that. Just as well, Hodgie's there to bring you back onto track <laughs> yeah. right, before you just go down a fucking rabbit hole. So, yeah, we mentioned Lewis Hall getting booked, which... His shirt was being pulled, and it was just like, "How is that a yellow card?" And then the referee just doesn't go and book anyone else. Thirteen very similar fouls, and especially they just did what City, Liverpool, the best teams in Europe do, and just the minute we enter the half, they kick us, and just disrupt our flow. And it's just frustrating. I mean, referees need to know what teams are doing now, but I mean, I don't think the refereeing decisions would have made any difference in the outcome of the game. Goldman just, far far too good
1: that's two games in a row that we've come up against a 4-2-3-1 and two games in a row that we've lost 2-0 admittedly both away very difficult places there's probably no similarities you can draw between them and also we're at absolute bare bones in terms of the players we can put on the pitch but i wonder whether there's something in that
2: it's the same happened against liverpool when liverpool changed for their formation i know they're a player down but they almost moved to five in midfield and one up top. And we really, really struggle. We're just getting overrun in midfield, really. And that's,
1: I think, with the players that we have on the pitch and the quality we have on the pitch is going to pay dividend. But yes, back to Hodgie's original comment. I thought it probably deserved to be a draw at the very least at St. James's Park, but they were very convincing winners and they were incredibly clinical away in Dortmund. Matt Hummels, uh, what 35 36 was excellent and he's right next to that nicholas Schlotterbeck, who's also fantastic i thought we could have hopefully done more against Nicolas Sula, given that he moves like a fucking aircraft carrier <laughs> but it wasn't to be it wasn't to be unfortunately for us and they got the better of us which leaves us in quite a precarious position in the champions league well i say it precarious we're bottom of the table currently on four points Milan obviously getting that win against PSG helped their case considerably. They're up to five points. Got PSG on six and then Dortmund on seven. Not really. It's not over till the fat lady sings, like.
0: It's not over. And I think the way that a small minority of the fans were going on last night, which prompted Kieran Trippier to go over and have a word. I think. Yes. There's no need to panic just yet. Everything is still going to plan. We're ahead on our overall goal of where we wanted to be after... Three five years perspective, isn't it? Hundred percent, hundred percent, and the fans can't start getting a little bit touchy now. Not at this point when we've got a very very hard run of fixtures coming up, thick and fast after this international break. Like keep calm and Kieran Trippier.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was very disappointing yesterday, and I think it is a very loud minority. There was one fan who was having a bit of crack at the players, and Kieran Trippier was well within his rights as kind of not club captain, but you know, one of those senior leaders within the Newcastle squads come over and confront him. Again, he exudes class. I think in his post-game interview, he was saying that he understands where the fan's coming from. He understands the frustration, but let's have a bit of perspective. Let's have a bit of realism. We're still in the cup. We're still in the Champions League. We're sixth in the league. We're suffering with injuries. And then he said, I apologize to the fans for the result yesterday. And he said, you know, they, they spend a lot of money. They travel a long way. Very balanced approach from him, which I thought was really good. And it just shows his class yet again, doesn't it?
2: I get your point around away fans spending a lot of money to do that, but that does not give them the right to carry on like they did yesterday. I'm really, really sorry.
1: Well, let's be clear. There was one individual, it seemed, was having a big crack at them. And that's what I mean by the the loud minority.
2: So then we've got, we've got another 4,000 fans there who should just give them a slap and say, what the fuck are you doing? Well, the one thing I thought was really nice was in that video,
1: in the background, you also hear nearly all of the Newcastle fans in that away section chanting Anthony Gordon's name. It's just that one guy down at the front who's been a bit of a knacker, but unfortunately that that's what gets the press and that's what stands out and that's what kind of pops up on everyone's fucking timelines. It's frustrating, but... I thought Trippier dealt with it really well. We've got to keep our heads. And as soon as you start letting that toxicity in is when things start to snowball. So we need to nip that in the bud right away. There's no need to panic, as Trippier said. Hopefully things will come good. But back to the Champions League. I mean, you'd imagine the best we could maybe hope for is that third place position and then dropping down into the Europa League, right, Hodge?
0: I think so. But at the same time, going to PSG with the potential team that we could have at that point, Anything can really happen. What has come out is that PSG don't like to be attacked. Pressed, and yeah. what we did and what Milan did at their place is press the living shit out of them. We probably had a bit of a better defence plan than Milan did because the Milan-PSG game was end-to-end like I've never seen before in my life. Could have been 3-3 after about 20 minutes. But if we go there with the same game plan again, and you know, we could get lucky there. And then by the time 13th of December rolls around where we welcome Milan at home, should have a couple more people back and I can't see why we can't take all three points against them. So potential four points, even maybe six. Just need hopefully some luck to come back our way and we can see the, the table change. But it's going to be an interesting time watching this group. The group of death has certainly been a good one to watch and not necessarily the best one to be in, but at the same time. It's been a great experience though, hasn't it? Yeah, as Newcastle fans, we don't want to shy away from the challenge. And this has been a challenge and I think everyone has really enjoyed just seeing the Champions League back at Newcastle. It's been fantastic. And if we do go down to the Europa, great. We've got still got a, a further chance to, to
2: roam around in Europe a little bit more, which is, I mean, what else can we want? Can I start a quick, would you rather question? Go on mm-hmm. then. Would you rather us drop out the Champions League and win the Carabao Cup? Or would you rather us drop into the Europa League and have to fight on three fronts again. Oh, good one, that. Well, you know what Hodge is going to say?
1: <laughs> what do you think I'm going to say? Well, he's going to come out of the Carabao Cup, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Although he calls it the Mickey Mouse Cup. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's all about
0: whatever has the least amount of games for me because we have got a tricky task that we've got to maintain, getting points on the board and, and keeping our league position. Securing a top six finish again, I think for me is priority for next year. I'd like a bit of silverware to go with that. So I'd say drop out the, yeah. the whole European football, win the cup and then have a fairer, better chance at getting a finishing league position. Do
1: you get anything if you win the Carabao Cup other than the money? Like I know the FA Cup, if you win that... <laughs> a big trophy. You, yeah. <laughs> <it>. oh, sorry, <laughs> so Do you know how to fill the shelf? <laughs> isn't it like the FA Cup if you win that you get European qualification
0: I don't think something. you do no with... you do, do up, you? you do get
2: league oh is that Europa the conference stuff waiting into? is
0: that where you go for that
2: one no because it used to be where you'd only have one league place for the Europa Cup I don't know if whether rules are still the same now but you used to have one league place and then your cup winners would also fall into that European Cup competition not the Champions League but usually the Champions League qualifiers would win the Cups which would then give you an extra place in the league. All oh, right, okay. So you win a place in the Europa
0: Conference League qualifying round. What you get? The winners of the Carabao oh, Cup. Yeah.
1: That must have been why it went to Brighton yeah. because yes, Man United new. won yeah. and then they finished third, yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly, yeah. That brings us on quite nicely actually. If we are going to do any of this stuff, we're going to probably need to strengthen our team in January. And the latest rumor at the minute is obviously Ruben Neves being touted with a loan move from January from one of the PIF-owned clubs, but it won't be without its difficulties and restrictions. I think the Premier League clubs are set to vote on, I think, a temporary ban of loan signings from teams owned by the same owner, if that makes sense. So basically, it's a Newcastle banning loan for, uh, Saudi Arabian teams or it's designed to stop Newcastle United signing players like Ruben Neves on loan from a team that is also owned by the
2: PIF. It's just anti-Newcastle again, isn't it, Gray? I mean, as if bringing in a one coach on a sideline rule wasn't anti-Newcastle enough to change a rule halfway through a season just because we are, well, we're linked with every player under the sun at the minute and just because we've been linked to Neves. You've got managers out there, one who is crying a lot last weekend, questioning the integrity of the Premier League and the rules they bring in and the standards they uphold. For him probably to be one of the big driving forces behind this proposed vote and rule change is just laughable. Yes, he's a good player and he'll strengthen our midfield massively, but you can't just go and change a rule because of that. And for me, that just throws a whole question of integrity and levels we're playing at in the Premier League. Is it right? It's frustrating because, again, it's just anti-Newcastle. We are now becoming a very competitive team and a clear threat to the big six. And a lot of people are very, very quick to forget that two of those clubs are pretty much solely funded by Saudi money as well. So if a Chelsea, for example, was to go and... Try to get Neymar on loan. I know Neymar's just done his knee, but would there still be the uproar that there is because we're trying to sign Nevis? I don't Or like so.
1: Liverpool and Chelsea selling off all their dead wood for fucking tens of millions of quid in the summer to Saudi Arabia. No one said anything there. Or, the, sorry, they did. The only time they did is when we sold Sam Maximan to the Saudi Arabians.
2: For half the price. That, that was the only time they kicked they off. Liverpool and yeah, Chelsea were selling players for. You've,
1: they're selling Koulibaly for tens of millions of quid, who came over here and did absolute fuck all. Fabinho's going over there for 40 million quid. you got Sam Maximan going for 23 million quid. What we can't do is let stuff like this get us rattled. I think Dan Ashworth actually came out in the press a few weeks ago and kind of preempted this vote. We all know it's going to happen. We've been through our difficulties. You saw some of that on the Amazon documentary. But, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I would like to see a player like Ruben Neves come in over January, given the Sandro Tonali loan. But it's going to be a difficult one now because we've got to believe that that vote will inevitably go through Hodge and they're going to get the 14 out of 20 votes that they're looking for, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um well, if Jurgen Klopp's got anything to do with it, he'll be doing some dodgy work behind the back. Yeah, <laughs> Otters as get well. Every, uh, their votes will be straight in before they even open the voting. Yeah, I don't, it's going to be tricky for January in terms of what do we actually do ourselves? Do we get people on full-time contracts or do we go for loan moves? There's going to be a bit of a headache for Dan Ashworth, like to work on what he wants to do. And I guess, well, it all depends what happens with this vote. But you know, it's just not going to go our way because every Premier League club is going to want to have some sort of advantage over us at the minute I mean it won't really affect Man City very much because they're not really going to sign a lad from Australia or or New York so it's mainly just a preventative measure for us right now that's how I see it like it might be tinted black and white tinted glasses like but it's, I don't think it's very fair at all.
2: Does anyone know what the whole temporary thing is about this temporary rule change? Is it just the blockers doing it in this January? Presumably just for this season. It's just nuts, isn't it? It's so it, stupid. It's so like, it's So
0: bla- it is so blatant. Brace alive, man! This fo- football's a weird breed of thing, and it like it's so corrupted. It, it's like, craft.
1: Corrupt. It's, just, <laughs> it's They don't want anyone upsetting the fucking cartel of the typical big four, do they? No. nothing's been said up until this point i mean the city group owned like 13 14 clubs throughout mm-hmm. the world and previously were just passing players between them florian legend was one of them wasn't he originally signed i think by city but then was passed off to their team in spain and etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah angelino i think was another one that city bought and then they loaned him off and all this stuff like it's a just yeah it's a blatant joke i've got a new player that i want us to sign in january though who's not a centre-mid, he's a striker. Is that kid from Toulouse? Thijs uh, Delinger.
0: Played well against uh, Liverpool.
1: Played really well. Yeah, he's 23 years old, Dutch striker, 47 games for Toulouse and 15 goals. Previously scored 32 and 37 for Excelsior in the Netherlands. So that's my player of choice, especially when we've got fucking sick notes in Callum Wilson and, uh, and Alexander Isak.
0: We've got that Mente.
1: Yeah, that's a good shout. There's, lo- there's increasing talk of bringing him back from his loan from Feyenoord over January. But although I think he is out with a- an injury, funnily enough, as well at the minute, <laughs> he sure. can't catch um, a break anywhere. But yes, I think him on the right hand side gives us a bit more depth, especially the way he's been playing. Looks like we've got a real star on our hands. Well, that's a long one, isn't it? We now go straight into the international break. So we come back against Chelsky at home on Saturday, 25th of November. Fortunately, I don't think we have too many players out on international duty, but we are expecting a few back after the break. Hopefully, Alexander Izak and Callum Wilson should be back. Obviously, we'll have Bruno back as well after his suspension and Sandro to Oh, no, wait. (laughs) August (laughs) next year. (laughs) Fuck that for a laugh. (laughs) If you don't laugh, you cry. But that should just about round us up for this recording enjoy the next couple of weeks off, you too, and I guess we'll see you when we come back in late November. All that's left to do now is say thanks very much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye now. Enjoy Iceland, lad. Thanks very much. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration,